Good morning, and peace be with you. Well, I am delighted to see you again at our family reunion that we hold here every Sunday at 9 a.m., or because your pastor's never on time at 9.06. Thank you for pointing that out, Tim. And uh, there are some new faces that are here, and there are some faces that are familiar that we've not seen for a long time, and welcome. I'm thrilled to see y'all. Quick announcements. Make sure I get this right, or my boss is going to be mad. Special announcement on your bulletin here. Please note that Sit and Be Fit, along with Bible study, has been canceled for Tuesday, the June the 1st. And then the events will be back on Tuesday, June the 8th. Okay? Okay? I did, she's, okay, thumbs up. I'm not in worry of trouble now. Then I'll let you read the rest of these. Then also, I wanted to let you know that on our, in our mission jar in specifically Mission Sunday, each month, we uh, sponsor somebody, give uh, offerings to some notable charities. And we've been doing this since the church has been around, as far as I know, at least the time that I've been here. One of the things I haven't done is told you that we get thank you notes nor have I put them out for you to see. Well, we have some thank you notes for our generous offerings, your generous giving. And so I'm going to put these out on the table, but we have one from Lutheran Military Veterans and Families Ministries that we um, gave an offering to recently, and it's very, very kind, nice note for us. We have one from Chosen People Ministries, uh, Pastor Ron, uh, the people that he works with, and so their president wrote us a nice note. So I'm going to put these out there so you can see them. This month, uh, our offering is going to uh, Lutherans for Life, and then following month is going to Family Promise of Orange. And as you know, we take uh, into consideration your suggestions as to who you would like for us to feature in a month's time. So um, all of these have been suggestions by other members of this congregation. The one thing that I do do is I go through the internet and just kind of check on the charity navigators and then just to see uh, who and, and what they are and what they do so that we are giving to people that can maximize the funds that they receive for the actual charity and the work that they say they're doing rather than administration and things like that, okay? And I think that's it. Tim, let's get started. Happy Reformation Day. I mean, excuse me, Pentecost. I've seen all this. Oh, you're going you're gonna to love this sermon. Okay, let's get started. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close No thing can compare You're our living hope 
tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence
We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. 
Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, on this day, you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day, by the same Spirit, to have a right understanding in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the books of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14, and can be found on page 1345 in the Pew Bible. Uh, in this vision from Ezekiel, the dry bones represent the captive Jews, and Ezekiel felt that he was speaking to the dead as he preached to the exiles because they rarely responded to his message. So this is Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophecy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, 
And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds, breathe into these, into these slain, where they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. We'll read Psalm 139, 1 through 16 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. In this psalm, David acknowledges that thanksgiving should be an integral part of our praise of God. Psalm 139, 1 through 16. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands upon me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, for you, recruit, uh, you created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. The next reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And this can be found on page 1692 in the Pew Bible. Luke writes that Pentecost is one of the three major festivals of Thanksgiving drawing Jews of many nations to Jerusalem. 
the action of the Holy Spirit leads to a worldwide spread of the Holy Gospel. Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from the heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there, uh, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who uh, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions. Uh, okay. I missed another page. Okay, let me go to the other one. Uh, hang on. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel, according to St. John from the 15th chapter. 
This morning's gospel is, according to St. John, the 15th and 16th chapter, found on page 1678 in your pew Bible. John 15, verses 26 through 27, and 16, 4 through 15. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you this, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief, because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today is the feast of Pentecost. It is the Sunday when we focus on revelation of the Holy Spirit, which is 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead and 10 days after he ascended into heaven. And the three readings that Ken read to us and that the church has chosen today through the lectionary all point to some aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. 
The Old Testament reading tells us this, that the Word of God is powerful enough to bring dry bones to life. The epistle is the account of the Pentecost itself. And the gospel is Jesus' promise, his promise to send the Holy Spirit and his description of the benefits that the disciples will receive from the Holy Spirit. So hold on with me just a second. Listen to this. This last week, through listening and through reading, it was put on my heart, a particular type of a prayer. And, and, And you've known me long enough to have heard me start a Bible study with, we call on you, Holy Spirit, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Have you heard me say that before? I'm seeing some mm-hmms. Well, there's a reason for that. We need to come to his word with a spirit of faith and a spirit of expectancy. We need to have humility, have humble hearts, enough humility to say this. I don't know what this means. That's okay. In opposite, sometimes we hear these stories that we've heard over and over and over again, and we think we know what it means, and we can kind of check out. Oh yeah, this is the one where dot, dot, dot. And that precludes us from really hearing and really seeing what the Holy Spirit would do for us. We need to have the humility to ask, open my eyes, Lord. Open my ears, Lord. Work on my heart, Lord. Because I am yours, Lord. All right, back to our original programming. Did you know? Of course you did. Did you know? that the Pentecost described in today's epistle was not the first Pentecost? Pentecost in Greek, as Ken was telling us, is a term for a, the Feast of Weeks. And God established the Feast of Weeks when he gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. It was one of three festivals that required the men of Israel to gather together at a place that the Lord told them to. The other two feasts that Ken mentioned, the other two feasts were the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is a week-long celebration that begins the day after Passover. The Feast of Booths was a time for remembering the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Moses summarized this, what I just told you, when he gave his farewell sermon in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 16.16, for those that are taking notes. It's recorded three times a year. All your males shall appear before the Lord your God, at the place that he will choose. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, 
at the Feast of Weeks and at the Feast of Booths. So you could be thinking, well, thanks for the history lesson, Pastor, but your sermons tend to go long. Are you putting in filler? Maybe you would think, what's your point? Please. Well, let me tell you this. I am blown away by a, ooh, aha moment. Let me share. I'm blown away at how God prepared Israel for the coming of the Messiah, even as God was giving the law to Moses on Sinai. Now stay with me. Jerusalem, at the time of our scene today, Jerusalem would have been full of pilgrims when Jesus died on the cross because it was Passover. Okay? And right at the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, in a similar way, Jerusalem would be full of pilgrims on Pentecost. So they all saw him die, and now they're all there to see the Holy Spirit. The sound of the mighty wind and the appearance of tongues of fire were a call to gather the faithful men of Israel, the faithful men who had gathered according to the law given to Moses so many centuries before. And the Holy Spirit called the faithful men of Israel together as the beginning of the New Testament church. Now, up until now, these pilgrims, they had been faithfully waiting for the coming of the promised Messiah. And now, the Holy Spirit called them together to inform them that the long-awaited Messiah had come in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Their faith was not to be in the promise of a Messiah who would one day save them. Instead, it was to be in the Jesus of Nazareth who, as the Messiah, had come and kept God's promise. Already done. The Holy Spirit let his presence be known in a rare and a spectacular way on that day. For we know the ultimate goal of this spectacular display of sound and of light was to actually draw in the faithful Pentecost pilgrims, to draw them in together so that they could hear about the mighty works of God. The proclamation of the mighty works of God was so important that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave the disciples the ability to proclaim these mighty works in the native languages of all of the faithful pilgrims who arrived on the scene. These Jews that came for this feast, not all of them spoke the same language. The mighty works of God focus on the person of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he earned for the entire world. 
Seven weeks earlier, the Romans had crucified this man. They mocked him. They spit on him. They beat him with rods. They scourged him with whips and then nailed him to a cross. Jesus Christ died on that cross, but it was not possible for death to hold him, and he rose from the dead. Now, the disciples were telling the faithful that they were witnesses of all of these things. These are the mighty works of God that the disciples were telling to the faithful in their own native languages. Now, the true work of the Holy Spirit is not in tongues of fire or the sound of a, a mighty rushing wind. The true work of the Holy Spirit is in the proclamation of the mighty works of God. One more time. The true work of the Holy Spirit is in the proclamation of the mighty works of God. That's why I pray in our men's group that the Holy Spirit would do the gospel to the hearers. And as Jesus said in today's gospel, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Now, the sound was impressive, and it certainly drew a crowd. And even so, the main work of the Holy Spirit witnesses to and about Jesus Christ. Now, what does the Holy Spirit's message sound like then? Well, in today's gospel, Jesus said, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, our own nature is inclined to think this, that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. The difficulty comes when we try to determine who is good enough. Who's good enough to go to heaven? And who is so bad that they are definitely going to hell? And the Holy Spirit steps in and he settles that argument for us. He convicts the world of sin. Let me give you an example. Very personal. He tells me that I am not good enough to go to heaven and that I deserve to go to hell. He comes to me and he tells me that I have lost many opportunities. He says, as a husband, you have not loved your wife as Christ loved the church. As a father, he tells me that you have not brought up your children in the fear of the Lord. As a son, he tells me that you have not honored your parents. 
And as a pastor, he tells me that you have not cared for my sheep. Further, he reminds me, do not even begin to think that there is anything that you can do to earn your way into heaven. He convicts me of my sin, and he shows me that I am indeed totally helpless before God. So if the Holy Spirit left me in that state, if he left me there, I would be the most wretched. But he doesn't. He doesn't leave me there. He doesn't leave you there either. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of righteousness. The Holy Spirit beholds me in my helpless state before God, and he says, there is righteousness that belongs to you. This is the righteousness of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The righteousness of his perfect life is yours, Pastor. His righteousness is your righteousness, church family. The price that he paid is dearer than you can possibly imagine. He brought you, he, rather, he bought you with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. With this dreadful price, he exchanged his righteousness for your sin. Now, he offers salvation to you for free. There is sweet comfort in the Holy Spirit's conviction of righteousness, for it is the righteousness of Christ unto salvation. This is the Holy Spirit who makes the righteousness of Christ available to all of us through faith. And last, there is the Holy Spirit's conviction of judgment. The world, the world wants to stand in judgment over us. And Satan thinks he is God himself. And they take it upon themselves to judge between right and wrong and between that which, is, that which must be condemned and that which must be accepted. Even though the message of salvation through Jesus Christ is for the entire world, Satan and the world insist that this message is divisive that this message is narrow-minded, that this message is intolerant and bigoted. The world brings this thinking against God and his Christians in an effort to exterminate the message of the gospel. The Holy Spirit fights the judgment of this world with his own conviction of judgment. He draws our attention to the fate of the ruler of this world. That's Satan. Satan's judgment is already sealed. It's finished. 
He is the one who brought God's beloved creation into a state of sin. And for that, he will suffer forever. As the Holy Spirit reveals the fate of Satan to us, he assures us that judgment and condemnation by the world is not judgment of God, but that it is the judgment of the devil, the one who's already condemned. God carried out his judgment against sin. He already carried it out. Do you hear me? He already carried out his judgment on sin when he punished his son in order for our sins to be forgiven. He punished his son in our place on a cross. Now the Holy Spirit reveals God's judgment. And God looks at all believers in Christ and he says this, I see only the righteousness of my beloved son, Jesus Christ. There is therefore no more condemnation. None. The Holy Spirit could probably introduce us to Christ in an infinite number of ways. But he has chosen to introduce us through the word of God. He works and sustains faith in us through the word of God that we hear with our ears and that we read with our eyes. He works faith in us with the wet word of the holy baptism that we experienced as we combine the word of God with water according to Christ's command. He sustains our baptismal faith as we confess our sins to God our Father and hear Christ's word of forgiveness on the lips of our pastor. He strengthens our faith as Christ himself comes to us as the living word in his body and in his blood. In these ways, the Holy Spirit has chosen to connect us to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we might well ask, how powerful can words really be? Are words really that important? And the answer to that question comes to us from today's Old Testament reading. God actually commanded Ezekiel to preach a sermon to a congregation of dry bones. And Ezekiel preached according to the word of the Lord. And... The dry bones became an exceedingly great army. The word of God is powerful. Not because we say it or use it, but because God stands behind it with his promises. And he has promised this. Listen to me. Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11. 4. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, they do not return there, but they water the earth, making the earth bring forth and sprout and giving seed to the sower 
and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing in which and for which I sent it. God's word is powerful. The Holy Spirit works through the word to put the finishing touch of faith on our salvation. God the Father himself sent his Son into the world, John three seventeen, in order that the world might be saved through him. The Son has purchased our salvation with his holy, his precious blood and his innocent suffering and death paid our debt. The Holy Spirit brings this salvation to us as he calls us by the gospel, as he enlightens us with his gifts, as he sanctifies us in the one true faith. So the work of justification is complete. We do nothing. God does it all. Because God does it all, our salvation is secure, and we shall live forever with him. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Lord, fast your and lowliness become mine inner clothing. True lowliness of heart, which takes the Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Gracious Lord, your spirit fills the world and gladdens your church with the remembrance of all Christ Jesus has spoken. Glorify his name among us in every word and deed. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, by your spirit, you have established your holy church on the proclamation of Christ, our Savior, Sustain the apostolic preaching to the ends of the earth, that in every tongue the mighty works of God in Christ may be heard. 
Lord, in your mercy, God of comfort, give hope to your people in the midst of this world of death and despair. Put your spirit within us to believe, to live, and to serve according to your promises and commands. Lead our homes to confess our confidence in your power to raise the dead now and at the last day. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, your Son acknowledged Satan as ruler of this world and its ways, yet one whose reign is judged and whose time is short. Beat back his lies and deadly work that the order of your creation may be seen. Give us good government and leaders who are both honest and faithful. Even so, let us look eagerly for your son's return, and let that be quickly, Lord, in your mercy. We call on your name, O Lord, praying in your spirit to help and save all. Especially, we lift up Valerie this morning as she is on Miss Jackie's heart. Heal her, Father. Renew the face of the earth. Look with favor on your creatures and fill the hearts of your faithful, kindling in them the fire of your love. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon your faithful people that convicted of their sin, they may also be convinced that the righteousness of Christ is theirs. And in such repentance and faith, receive the things of Christ declared in his supper, his body, and precious blood for the forgiveness of sins. Unite us by your spirit of truth in faith and in confession and comfort us with the knowledge that this world's prince is judged. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through your Son you promised your Holy Spirit who would convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Enlighten our hearts so that we confess our sins. Obtain everlasting righteousness through faith in Christ and through, the, through every trial and temptation, abide in the consolation that Christ is Lord over the devil, death, and all things, and that he will graciously deliver us from all affliction to make us partakers of eternal salvation. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now, may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly at a distance. Waves are good. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. 
With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who rose beyond the bounds of death and on this day, as he had promised, poured out your spirit of life and power upon the chosen disciples. And at this, the whole earth exults in boundless joy. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, Holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The great exchange, his righteousness for yours and my wretchedness. Thank you, Jesus. This body, his body given, his blood shed for you, renewing you, rescuing you from sin and death and the devil. What a happy meal that is going to be and is. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and he washed it white as snow. Abide in him, abide in his word, and he promises to abide in you. It's that simple. Thank you, Jesus. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh